Father, thank you again for this opportunity that we have to open your word together and to allow you to speak uh, your, 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 your wisdom and your thoughts into our hearts. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would move and work. We pray against Satan. We know he doesn't want us to listen to the things that you have to say to us today. Uh, he would disrupt us. He would get our minds into places where they don't need to be. And so, Father, we pray that, that we might put our, our focused thought on who you are and, and on our, your Son, Jesus Christ, and listen to the Holy Spirit as he, as he speaks from your word. Jesus to be their Savior and Lord, that today, before they would leave, they would make that choice, that they would make that decision to know that they have eternal life. Now, Father, speak to us in your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we're talking about finish strong. We're talking about winning today's, uh, tomorrow's battles today. And we are going through the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4 today. We're going to look at, at, at some of the verses in chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. We won't look at all 22 verses, but we're going to look at some of those. Several years ago, there was a magazine that, that decided to do an article asking reason, uh, some of their readers to, to summarize their lives in just six words. So they said, we want you to send them in to us and then we'll, we'll, we'll do a story on that. We'll publish them. And, and they were surprised by, the, by that challenge. Um, when they did that, thousands and thousands of people sent in submissions. And, and some of the best were then put into their magazine, uh, and, 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 and ultimately they published a book called Not Quite What I Was Planning. And that was, that's the name of the book, based on people just saying, this summarizes my life as I look back on it today in six words. Let me share some of them with you, some of the, some of the interesting ones that came, because some were sad, some were, some were funny, others were inspiring, and, and, um, and here's some of the noteworthy ones. One lady, uh, Heather, said, uh, head in books, feet in flowers. Uh, and Steve said, married childhood sweetheart, two kids, content. Uh, Bob said, partner, pension, motorhome, life is good. Um, Richard uh, wrote, however, wasted my whole life getting comfortable. John said, bored, so bored, so very bored. man named Ray said, trust me, I did my best. Gillian wrote, ditched the map, found a better route. And, uh, and Dave wrote, not quite finished, tell you later. Um, and then I started thinking about that, and I thought about, well, how would some of the people in the Bible have done that? How, how would some of the people that we read about and that we study all the time and that we love, how would they finish that statement, my life in six words. Noah, for example, might have said, built a boat, excuse me, built a boat, life goes on. Um, how about how about King David? David might have said, killed a giant, saved a kingdom. Um, uh, Harry might have said, the Lord is all I need. Uh, on the other hand, thinking about Jesus, how would Jesus have done this? Jesus would have, might have said to seek and save the lost or 
you might you might read him also say to give abundant life to all, or maybe just for God so loved the world. And then Peter. Peter might have said something like, took chances, failed often, experienced power. But then, then we come to the Apostle Paul. Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. How would Paul have summarized his life in, in six words? And, and we're going to speculate that on that in just a few minutes here as, after we look at some of this text here in, in the book of 2 Timothy. And, uh, and, and then I know what's going to happen. Some of you are already thinking, well, gee, you know, that last line there says you, that must be me. How would I do that? How would I fill that out? And no, no, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. You got ahead of me there, but that's all right. Uh, I don't want you to do it because if you do that, you're going to miss out and you might have, we can put it back now, Mike. Uh, you might, you might end up doing this. You might have to say, opportunity to hear a great sermon missed. So I don't want you to answer that one yet. I want you to leave that blank. You could write opportunity to hear a great sermon missed, but don't do it, okay? Don't fill in that blank. That's not what I really want you to put there. Um, And so um, we'll we'll deal with that in a little while as well. I want you to to listen and to, to pay attention and to think about what God would have you to learn today. I really hope you've enjoyed the book of 2 Timothy. Um, it's gone by really, really fast. You know, just, just this is our fourth week. And, and, and really, we could have just spent just many, many, many weeks here and, and just so much stuff that Paul packed into this very last book that he would ever write. And remember, in week number one, three weeks ago, we talked about breaking bad attitudes, letting go of those mental habits that hold us back. You know, we, we don't want, you know, we want to, to deal with no more fear in our lives, no more shame, no more regrets. And then two weeks ago, we looked at, at living like a future Hall of Famer. How do we live our lives that way, like a, hall, like a Hall of Famer? You know, holding ourselves, we discovered, to a higher standard, uh, expecting more out of ourselves than, than you expect from others and, uh, and that others expect from you. And then last Sunday morning, we talked about living under the influence. How do we live life under the influence? How do we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of, of God? purpose in our lives, and, and we talked about choosing, um, choosing uh, to, to surround ourselves with the right people and immersing ourselves in, in God's wisdom and in God's word and, and, and to help us make better lifelong decisions. And today, I want to wrap this up uh, like the Apostle Paul does, uh, dealing with how do we deal with those battles that we know we will face in the future, because if we live any amount of time, all of us will still face battles. There will still be things that happen in all of our lives. How do we face those battles and win those battles um, as, as we face them in the future with God's help? And that's where, Tim, that's where Paul is helping Timothy today in this fourth chapter, this last chapter. These, last, these, by the way, are the very last words the Apostle Paul will ever write that we have of his. These are the last things. This is his, this is his last will and testimony, if you will, to, to Timothy and, and therefore to us today. And, and, I, and I, I, I think back over the years, and I've observed a lot of people 
who have, have gone the distance and who have, 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 have given up early and quit. They, they've walked in, this, in, in, this, in their spiritual life. They've walked with Christ for so many years and then they get toward the end and they just throw it out the window, it seems. They just, they just, they just turn their back on Christ. They turn their back on the things that they said that they believed and, 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 they, and they usually quit because something happens that they didn't expect or they didn't know how to deal with and, and they weren't prepared. Uh, many people give up because they, they have these high hopes and these good intentions and 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 the and, you know and they and the, the that old college try just doesn't seem to be enough to, to meet those expectations and and um, and often uh, that's what happens. The the higher your expectations, the greater your ambitions, the greater the battles that you will fight. And that doesn't mean that we ought to that we ought to give up on those intentions. It just means that we ought to be better prepared to face the battles that go along with them. That God still wants us to be able to win those battles. And so, in this very last chapter of Second Timothy, we see in Paul three attitudes that are going to empower us to overcome life's inevitable. Inevitable battles. Three ways that that even before they show up, uh, we can be prepared to face those battles. And that's what I want to look at you with here for just a moment. Usually, when when preachers preach on this chapter, this last chapter of Timothy, of Second Timothy, we like to focus on the first eight verses. Those are the ones that excite us. Those are the ones that 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 are are really easy to preach it would seem because they're filled with they're they're just filled with great illustrations and and phrases and and imperative commands uh, warning us about itching ears and they culminate with with Paul's dramatic declaration that we find here in verses 6 through 8 he says for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, uh, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And how do you not love those verses? You just, we just do. There are such powerful words, and and there and there's such a climax to this this really great letter and to this really great life of the Apostle Paul. But in the remaining verses, in the verses that we just kind of skim over so often, and even in our reading, and we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them, in those last verses, Paul wraps things up with some very final comments and notes and personal greetings. And in those last dozen or so verses that that we see from Paul, we see why he was such a great man and why God used him in such a great way. And and in these final verses, we see three attitudes that, that help Paul win those battles. And so I want to encourage every one of us to develop those same mindsets today. And, and that's where we're at. So three attitudes that we need to develop in our lives to win life's biggest battles. The first one is to be prepared to go it alone. If you're going to win all of those tough battles that are ahead, you better be prepared at times to go alone into the battle. There are times when it's going to be you 
And you're going to look around and say, I guess it is just me. You've got to be prepared to go alone. You would think that the life of a man, as great as the Apostle Paul, would end much differently than it did, wouldn't you? I mean, you would think something, there's got to be a, there's gotta be a, a, a switch at the end, there's got to be some hook at the end of this movie that's going to make this come out all right, and it's, it just doesn't seem to be there. It just doesn't end the way we would normally think this kind of a life would end. Think about all the churches that the Apostle Paul started, all the people that he personally led to Jesus Christ, all the believers he discipled, all of the letters that he had written, all the financial support he had raised for suffering Christians back in Jerusalem. You would think that that in, in his greatest hour of need when he is when he is stuck in the Mamertine prison in the in in Rome in this dark dank dungeon he is chained there he is going to die there you would think that in the midst of that that a multitude of grateful people would be willing to take a stand in support of him you would think that but that's not what happened not at all Today, you and I have the advantage of this historical perspective, and we know who Paul was, and that God was using him in a very special way, but back 2,000 years ago, or 1,900 years ago, uh, to too many people, uh, he was just another preacher. He was just another guy that came through preaching. And some churches distanced themselves from Paul during his life. Churches he started pulled away from him. Christians, our people that he had led to Christ, pulled away from him. Some other preachers spoke out against him. He was, he was this polarizing figure in the early church. And at some point, because he was considered to be advocating ideas that were that were unlawful to Roman uh, for Romans to observe, meaning that he was preaching the lordship of Jesus Christ, he was arrested and put into that prison. And that happened not just one time. It, it happened at least twice, and, and maybe even more than that, uh, that we don't know all the details of his life during that period of time, but we do know uh, that, that about the year 67 AD, he is sitting there awaiting death in that prison, and and he's facing this first part of this final incarceration all alone. He writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. But you didn't notice it there in your Bible or in your notes. It says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. I want you to underline those words, but everyone deserted me. Not just some people, everybody. He is there all alone. He is facing the biggest battle of his life from a, from a physical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, and nobody else, none of these people, are there with him. He is, they've all deserted him. His first defense was probably something like a cause hearing. Uh, and there was no one there for him. Everyone was gone. Nobody stood up and said, I know this man, and he hasn't done anything wrong. Paul, this man who had given his life to serving other people, 
who had said, I can do all things for the sake of those who belong to Jesus Christ, found himself all alone. And, and you know what? It didn't stop him, did it? It just didn't stop him. It didn't phase him. He didn't, he didn't slow down. He, he understood from the very beginning that following Jesus sometimes means that you go it alone. Now, when I say you go it alone, I don't mean that God's going to forsake you. Jesus says, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. But we are human beings, and our own nature will play into that. And when, when other Christians, when other family members, when other church members desert you and leave you hanging out to dry, it hurts. And you, mo- you may know and you, and you experience the comfort that Jesus Christ can give, but there is still that, that, that injury, there is still that hurt that comes your way. But Paul endured that, and he kept going. He faced that battle, and he was doing it all along. Uh, he was doing it all along. There's a song that we sing um, quite often, here at church, um, usually at the invitation time. In fact, we're going to sing it today. Um, and, and it says, I have decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. We sing that way too often without ever thinking about those words, I believe. But Paul understood the reality of them. Here he is, and nobody is standing with him, and he's got to make a decision. Either I will recant my faith in Jesus Christ, and I will give up all those things that I said I believe, or I will move on forward, and I will not turn back, even though nobody is going with me. At my first defense, no one stood up for me. Everyone deserted me, he said. But I'm still going to go forward. I'm still going to fight this battle. I'm going to face it, even though I have to face it alone. You remember, if you were here with us three weeks ago, I showed you this, this video, a kind of grainy video of a, of a, of a race, a, a cross, kind of girls' cross-country race down in, down in, in, um, in, in uh, Clovis, uh, in the Sacramento area, uh, I mean, a, a Fresno area, rather, um, of a, just a few years ago, uh, uh, the, the state finals and. The young lady, Holland Reynolds, you remember, she was running, and, and, and her body just gave out on her uh, just a few yards from the finish line, and she collapsed. And, and, the, and, and she was just laying there on the ground, and she kind of got up to her hands and knees, and that was, I mean, that was agony, watching her just get up to her hands and knees. You remember that? And then the race official came out on the course, and he stood down, and here she is, and she's on her hands and knees, and you know everything in her body is hurting, and she is gasping, and she, is, and she, she can't do anything hardly, and he looks down at her, but he does not touch her, does he? And what does he tell her? He says, if you don't do this on your own, and you let anybody help you, even by putting a hand on you, you will be disqualified. And you won't, and by being disqualified, she will not have won any points for her team. And we watched Heather literally crawl those last yards over the finish line and just collapse again at the other side. And they immediately picked her up then. But you know, because, remember, because she faced that alone, and said, I am not going to quit, no matter how hard the battle. 
she made it possible for her team to win the state championship. Paul said, I am not going to give up. That's how the Christian life is. There are going to be times when you run the race all alone and not one person is going to want to go with you. I remember a story about a young pastor. And, and this, is not a, this, is, I mean, this is not a story about me, but I mean, there's times when I almost could tell the same story. But I remember reading this years ago. Uh, this young pastor uh, in training, if you will. He's, he's you know, probably an intern uh, at, at his church. Uh, and, and he was invited to conduct a worship service at the county jail. And he'd never done anything like that before in his life. And he's there and preached. And, and now all of a sudden, he gets his call. He says, You've got to, you need to come to the county jail and, and do a worship service. And he's probably never been inside of a jail in his whole life. Doesn't, nobody really wants to go to a jail. And yet, that's, that's his call. And so, so he gets on the phone. First thing he does, he calls the senior pastor. And he says, hey, guess what? Um, I, I'm, I'm, they've been invited to go and, and put together a worship service in the county jail and, and tells him what it is. He says, he says um, you're going to be there, right? And you're going to preach. And the, and the pastor said, no, I'm not going to be there and I'm not going to preach because I already have another commitment at that same time. And, uh, and so, you know, you can kind of think, well, this intern's thinking, I'm off the hook. Pastor's not going. We're not doing this. And the pastor said, no problem. He said, you put together the team. You're capable of doing that. And, and you preach. You just you share about what God's doing in your life. And, and then he hung up. And the intern saying, uh, 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 that wasn't what I had in mind. But he said, okay, I'll do that. So he got together, and he put together a worship team, a group of people to come, some to do music, some to do other stuff, and, and to give testimonies. And, and, they, and he put together a worship service, and he was feeling okay about it. And he gets down to the place where they're all supposed to meet. And this is pre-cell phone days. And not one person that said they would be there showed up. Not one. He was it. He didn't even have a way to call them and say, where are you at? Are you on your way down here? Because there was no such thing as a cell phone. But, oh, man. What am I going to do? But he said, there's this trustee down there who's expecting me to show up to put a worship service on. So he went home, picked up his guitar, and, and went down and met the trustee, went in, and led a worship service by himself. There are times when you're going to face those things that scare you the most and terror, just, that bring terror into your heart, and you're going to have to decide, am I going to just give up, or am I going to, am I going to find strength to face and win tomorrow's battles? Uh, and if you want to finish strong, you're going to have to do that. You're going to, you're going to have to get used to that same idea. You have to be prepared to go along alone, even though everyone else around you gives up and goes home. You keep running the race. The second thing you're going to have to do is let go of your hurts. You're going to have to let go of your hurts. In this passage today, Paul uses this powerful phrase, and, and I want you to encourage you to pick up on it. I want you to begin to use it. If you make it a part of this, to make it a habit to use that phrase and say it like you mean it and, and mean it like you say it, I guarantee that you're going to live strong and you're going to finish strong. And you say, well, what's the phrase? Uh, let's look at verse 16. 
Uh, again, we go back to verse 16. Paul said, at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now here's the phrase. I want you to underline this. May it not be held against them. May it not be held against them. God, may it not be held against them. God, they deserted me. May it not be held against them. God, they hurt me today, but may it not be held against them. God, they lied about me, but let it not be held against them. God, they they did something that I wasn't happy about, but may it not be held against them. You need to get that phrase into your vocabulary. You know why many people give up on the Christian faith? You know why they give up on the idea of living a life that's dedicated to the service of of Jesus Christ and serving others, of loving God and loving people more and more and more every day? Because they get mistreated. Because somebody hurt them. Somebody did something that they didn't appreciate. They did somebody did something to them that they didn't like. And and they are they got they got ignored or they got misrepresented or, and, and, and it wasn't enough for them to decide it's not worth it. They spend the rest of their life nursing a grudge and placing blame and, and re, just reliving that hurt over and over and over again. But not Paul. He was bigger than that. From the very beginning, Paul decided... To forgive those people who spoke against them and those who betrayed him and those who abandoned him. And in his ability to say, may this not be held against them and to mean it, kept Paul focused on the future instead of on the past. That was the only way he got past that. I read a story. I was telling Barb about this. She didn't see it in the paper, but a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Saturdays ago, there was a paper uh, in the newspaper, the the Stockton Record, was this wonderful story on the the front page of the Lynn section on that Saturday morning. And and, uh, it was about this this Catholic um, uh, Christian lady from Rwanda in the the continent of Africa, the, the country of Rwanda. And... And she has this amazing story, the story of, of growing up in this village and, and, uh, and a, another tribe uh, just in the last few years in the, in the war between the tribes and, the, and the, the hurt that goes on had come in and literally wiped out most of their village. I mean, they, they, they physically killed them and they were hacking the bodies apart and, and she watched her father and her mother and, and, and brothers and sisters be, be brutally killed and, and every, almost everybody else in the village. But there were about a dozen ladies that, that somehow were, were, were able to find refuge. You, you, you never know what God's going to do, what great things are going to do, because here these, these were London Catholic Christian ladies were, 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 were hidden in the home in an unused bathroom of a Protestant pastor who was from the tribe that was decimating their village. And he hid them in a bathroom. And God had, had kind of given her the insight to tell him, look, Moved this un- this dresser in front of the door so it's not even visible, and he had done that. And 
And they stayed there for days, and, and other people from the tribe would come in, and they were calling their names even out, because they knew they were, and they just, they just were not to make any noise at all, and eventually they got away. Eventually she got married to an American who'd gone over as a relief worker at some point, and now she's here in the United States, and she, won, she, wrote, she wrote this wonderful book about this. And she said, the first thing that I had to do he said, I could not go on with life. I could not move forward until I forgave the men who came into my village and killed my family before my She said, I wanted revenge, but I had to give up on it. She said, I had to settle for justice. story is about forgiveness. That's what we're called to do. We're called to forgive. We're called to say, God, I don't have to have revenge. I can't have revenge and have it do any good. And forgiveness is really the only thing that sets me apart as a Christian from this evil world that we live in. And so God, I need to show forgiveness. Uh, We see that over and over and over in Scripture. We see that in the example of Jesus. He suffers this greatest injustice imaginable. uh, And this an innocent man who's betrayed and beaten and nailed to a cross. And how does he respond from the cross when he's nailed to that cross? In Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And later in the book of Acts, it is Stephen, this young this young first, one of the first deacons uh, is attacked and he's murdered by this angry mob for preaching the gospel. And his last words were, Lord, do not hold this against them. And, and if you want to win tomorrow's battles today, you have to decide that you will let go of that grudge that is eating you up alive. You've got to decide today that you will forgive those people who have hurt you. Sometimes I catch myself getting mad about stuff all over again for something that happened years ago. And I just have to remind myself that is the, that is the biggest waste of time, and it does nothing good whatsoever. In fact, it drags me down, and, and you just can't hold those kinds of things against people. And so in Colossians uh, 3.13, Paul says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have um, with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in this passage, Paul uses another phrase that helps us deal with the hurts. He said, Alexander, the watchmaker, did me great harm in verse 14. He says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. I want you to underline that. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Alexander had hurt Paul, whatever it was. But Paul was willing to let God deal with it. We don't know what he did. Um, The phrase translated as done me great harm could refer to a slanderous statements, uh, and it's speculated that maybe Alexander was one who turned Paul into the authorities. Somebody probably had, so it might have been this man. Uh, Who knows? But, But we do know what Paul's response is. It's not me that has to take care of it. God's going to take care of it. The Lord will take care of it. That's God's 
realm. That's his purview. It's not mine. I'm going to let God deal with that. And that was Paul's way of letting it go. Rather than relieve that hurt again and again, rather than fantasize about the revenge, uh, he just put it all in God's hands, knowing that God would deal with that, that that it, we have a, a God who is just, and, and he's going to do what's best for all that are involved. So when someone does something wrong, something hurtful to you. You you don't relieve it. They just don't relive it. Rather day after day, you just simply um, you know say, God, I don't want to carry this around the rest of my life, and you let it go, and say, God, I'm just going to you take care of it and, and and leave it there. So you put those two phrases together that I had you underline. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. May it not be held against him. You let go of your hurts. Another example of Paul letting go of the hurts um, was here also in verse 11 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. He asked Timothy to come and visit him in Rome, but he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in the ministry. Get Mark. That's Mark who we refer to in scripture as John Mark as well. Um, it is John Mark who who goes with Paul and Barnabas, who's the nephew of Barnabas, on the very first missionary journey. They know more than get started on this missionary journey uh, when John Mark gets scared by all of the, the unknowns of being the very first missionaries, and he and he turns tail and he runs back home to his to his mom and leaves Paul and Barnabas. Um, Stranded almost, he leaves them alone, and um, in, a, in a very fearful situation. And Paul got really angry with him at that time. Remember, and and later on, the next missionary journey they go on, Barnabas says, hey, "Let's take John Mark with us again." Paul says, "No way, you not going. Anything to do with that?" But Paul grows in maturity. He he understands eventually he needs to let go of that, and he does. And so now, years later, what does he say? He says, "I want that guy." Bring him with you. He's he's useful to me. He's 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 helpful to me in my ministry. He says. King Solomon said in Proverbs nineteen eleven. I didn't give you this verse in writing, but you can write that down if you want. He says it's to it's it's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. So if you want to move forward through your battles that you're going to face then you better learn to let go of your hurts. And then finally, you've got to keep making plans. You keep making plans. Even though you think you're at the end, you keep making plans anyway. I love, I love what Paul did here in verses 6 to 8. We'll come back to those verses now. It says, the, the time has come for my departure. I've finished the race. Now there's a crown of righteousness waiting for me. He's, he's bidding for a farewell, isn't he? He's saying, this is it, guys. Timothy, this is it. Um, but at the same time, he's not quite ready just yet. Because later on, he says, in effect, in, in verses 9 through 12, he says, in effect, uh, 
So I want you to come quickly because I need you here, Timothy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I sent Christians to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. And I sent Trichicus to, to Ephesus to take uh, your place there while you're gone. So, so hurry up and come here and, and bring Mark with you because I've got plans for him too. And, and, and that doesn't sound like a man on his way out, does it? That, that's not a guy who says, I got plan A and that's it. I'm going home to be with the Lord. This is a guy who says, here's my plan A. I think I'm done here. But there's also plan B in case I'm going to be around a while. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up just yet. Um, and, and so that's what he does. And then he says in verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus and, and, and Tro, at Troas um, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Now, there's, there's some speculation about uh, the content of those scrolls and parchments uh, that Paul asked for. And, and, and there's, there's a pretty good possibility that the scrolls refer, referred to the Old Testament scriptures that were around in Paul's day. Those were, that was his Bible. That was the things that he had to read. Um, and it's possible that the parchments uh, could refer to the early Christian documents uh, that had already been written. Probably some of the, some of the, the early versions of the gospel accounts were, were written by this time. Uh, Paul wasn't talking about his own writings because he knew what he wrote, but he, he would, would, have written, would have been reading the things that, that some of the other apostles had written by this time uh, about the gospel accounts of, of the life of Jesus, perhaps. And, and, um, and then it might be that they were just blank pages he was looking for. Paul was a prolific writer, wasn't he? And maybe Paul was saying, you know what, I, I, I still got other words in me. There's still things that I think God wants me to say. So, so I'm going to go ahead and write if you'll bring those with me. Um, I'm, I'm not going to stop just yet. So even though the end was very near, Paul knew that the end uh, was, was almost there. But he was going to keep moving forward. And he kept making plans to move forward. He was chained in a prison ready to be executed, but he said, but if I got time, I'm going to do some more. I'm still going to do some more, even while I'm here. I love Billy Graham, just published a new book, The Reason for My Hope. He's 95 years old. I was looking, we got in like at midnight last night almost, before I got to bed, but there was a there was an ad from... Uh, from, you know, the Christian um, bookstore down on March Lane. Um, you know, on the front, front, one of the first things there is that ad for that new book that, that Billy Graham wrote, 95 years old, publishes it, uh, actually when he was 94, because he just turned 95. But, you know, I, I, I like to publish one book by the time I was, you know, whatever. And that's probably not going to happen. And yet, you know, I don't know how many books he's written. Um, and he's still putting them out. And, uh, you know, and, and he's, he's done that. I, you know, Jim Emery, I, I don't know that how many times we'll get to see them again here in this lifetime and how often he'll be able to come and worship with us, turn 90. And uh, one of our deacons, and, uh, you know, and, and, his, and his wife is still. And, uh, and he's in poor health now. And uh, you know, but here's a guy who, who just recently, you know, he asked for prayer. What are you pray for you got? Because I'm going to be down uh, handing out scriptures, handing out Bibles in front of Edison High School next Friday. Pray for him. How many of you going to go out and hand out Bibles in front of a high school even today, especially when you're 90 years old and you're feeling bad? The guy who would say, you know what? And they'll tell you, we're ready to go home and be with the Lord. 
But he always has a plan B in store. He's like Paul, you know, he just says, I'm, I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord, but, you know, in case it doesn't happen today, if God lets me out of bed tomorrow, I got something to do. I know what I'm going to do. He is, he is in charge of, the, of the, the Gideon South Stockton chapter. He is the president of it. At 90 years old, in bad health. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's what I want to be able to say. That I lived well, that I did what I set out to do. I told you those six-word messages that people summed up their lives with early on. How might Paul have summed up his life in six words? Maybe would have been simply hard fight, long race, finished strong. How are you going to do yours? This is what I want you to write today. You. Yours ought to say something like, too soon to write my biography. I'm looking around. None of you look like you're imminently going to die in the next couple of 30 seconds. Looking a little hungry. Stomachs are ground a little bit. You look like you're relatively good. So, but the day's going to come when your biography is written, isn't it? And they're going to write something on your tombstone, your epitaph. And hopefully it'll say more than just, well, I told you I was sick. What's going to be there? Let's pray to you. Father, thank you for the examples of men like the Apostle Paul. A guy who, in the midst of everything, said, I am not quitting. God has called me to this work, and I'm going to see it through to the end. Whenever that end is, and wherever that end takes me. And whoever goes with me or doesn't go with me is not going to really change who I am. And whoever tries to hurt me, I'm just going to turn over to you and I'm going to move forward. God, I want to make plans. I just want to keep moving forward. I want to make those the desires of our heart, the decisions that we make today because battles are coming. They will happen in all of our lives. And they will either derail us or we'll find strength through your word to move forward. And we pray that even today, if there's one again, who needs Christ as their Savior, you would call them to yourself. If there's one who needs church home, to say, this is my family in Christ. These are the people that I do life with. 
It's the people that I serve with. It's the people that I'm growing strong in the Lord with. Follow me. Give them the desire to be. Father, we give you glory and praise for all you're going to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.